Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Alan Cumming, and welcome to my shelves. My shelves are sort of a museum of my life. I like to keep things from my travels that are, to me anyway, the very essence of the experiences I've had. Sort of portals, if you will, to a specific time and place. And the inspiration for stories and memories and musings. Here's my Alice in Wonderland watercolour set. It's a big set of watercolours and the outside in a sort of one of those old-fashioned tins with illustrations of Alice in Wonderland and the Mad Hatter and everyone at the tea party. And it's so nice, I've never used it, I just put it on a shelf. Here's a bottle of Moroccan rosewater facial spray for some reason. (laughs) No idea. Here is a pack of club coming playing cards. Yes, I have merch up the wazoo. And today I'm talking to Monica Lewinsky. Like I heard from friends from around the world saying to me, oh, I wish I could, I wish I could see this movie with you. I thought of you, blah, blah, blah. And of course it was, he's just not that into you. Um, (laughs) And... Monica probably needs no introduction. She came to the world's attention in 1998 after she'd had... An affair with her boss. Now, many of us have done that, but none of us have had the experience that Monica had. She became probably the first person on the planet to be the victim of internet shaming. And after a few years of renown, she went into hiding, basically. She sort of disappeared from the world for about a decade before bouncing back with an incredible TED Talk And also then becoming a writer, a producer, and using her time so wisely and so passionately to campaign and lobby against cyberbullying. Hi, Miss Monikers. Hi, Alan. (laughs) Hi, my love. How are you doing? Um, I'm really good today, actually. I feel really good. How about you? Pretty good, yes. It's a nice spring day and always lovely to talk to you. And yeah. um, I have, can you hear this? I can. It's, it's, <laughs> do you know what it is? Um, I think so. Is it also this? Can you hear that? No. No. Is it your bracelet? Oh, no, it's not my bracelet. Oh, we have to talk oh, about okay. that. All no. right, because I put no. mine on. I put oh, you I did? three and I put them on. Yeah, ah. I was trying to shake them like your keys. Remember the keys? Oh. Shake ring the them keys bells. From, ring the bells, exactly. <laughs> Same thing, no, that, shake well, the keys, oh. ring the bells, duh. <laughs> Liza. <laughs> um, no, we'll, we'll talk about the bracelet in a minute. That's good. But no, this okay. is an award. It's an award, oh. Monica. It was the, it's a glass sort of uh, 
It's like a glass square that's curved, if you can imagine such a thing. Uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, those who don't define as others. And um, <laughs> the Creative Coalition TV Guide and TV Insider gave it to me. It's a television advocacy award for my work on behalf of charitable and LGBT social causes at a ceremony in Los Angeles in 2015. And the reason that I am uh, talking about it is because it's on my shelves and the person who presented me with this award is none other than Miss Monica Lewinsky. Do you remember that night? (laughs) I do. I do. Of course. I was, um, I was both equal parts so excited for you and honored to be asked to present it to you and nervous. So because it because was, still it was sort of in my early days of your coming, coming back coming into the world. Coming back out. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Human being to the public versus just my my small my small group. I remember it was um so hot in that it was in a sort of a tent at the at the uh what's that oh hotel called? God, the... I forgot about that. I think I thought my spray tan was going to melt off, like start dripping <laughs> down my legs. Yeah. Oh, I was sweating like a pig. And uh, <laughs> it was that hotel. I can't remember the name of the hotel, but but you said, I remember you said, when you went up to give me the thing, you said, I know what you're all thinking, what the hell is Monica Lewinsky doing here? <laughs> and it was so interesting because now it it's just so funny to think in such a short time how everything has changed and how that was that seems like such a long yeah. time ago and, t- and and you seem like in the way that a situation like that you would handle that now compared to then it's, it's like worlds apart oh thanks well I'd still be nervous just because <laughs> I don't um even though even though I've stepped out onto that red circle and given a TED talk I do still um I do still get really nervous I think it's a yeah I think it's I think it's reflective of just maybe kind of a sense of not, um, aside from high school drama, not ever having been someone who ever thought of themselves being a public person, you know? So does that make sense? (laughs) Wow. Um, but I still just, I still just get nervous. And also because it's one of those things where it's like, you think something sounds really clever in your head and then you say it out loud and nobody laughs. You're like, Okay, but I'm also very good at laughing at my own jokes. So I think I'm very funny. So I entertain myself all the time. That's a great skill to have. Yes, especially during a pandemic. (laughs) So, But I also think it's good to be nervous. I think I I always think being nervous sort of means that you care. Do you know what I mean? Do you you still get nervous? Oh, yes. Yeah, like I, I get nervous. Like especially first nights and things. When I, I mean, I think nerves are are, are uh, related to something that you don't feel confident and p- sort of prepared for. You know, it's about, it's the unknown. It's about not feeling comfortable. So when it's a new thing, a first night or a, or, a, or standing up in a room and the, with people you don't know, yeah, I get nervous. And, and I, I have a thing where I, I get so angry with myself on first nights because mm. mm-hmm. I think, you know, it gets to the point where you nearly... Well, I do, and I nearly lose control of my body. Like I feel, I'm going to pee, or I'm going to be sick, or I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm sh- sort of shaking. And I just think, why are you doing this? You don't need to be doing this. You could be on some film set somewhere, having a nice time, and going for dinner now. <laughs> and and now look at you. Why did you knew this last time? Why are you doing it again, Alan? And I get furious with myself. You know, it's I I, I totally understand that. It's so interesting. I just started reading. Maybe you've read it, um, Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul. 
Oh, you no, ever read but that? No, but someone was talking so, about that the other day. Yeah, and so it's just interesting because in the beginning he talks about how, you know, our, our inner critic that we think of as our selves, right, and our inner voice, yeah. when you really think about it, it's always talking to you in third person. You know, it's like, you're so mm. stupid. You could be doing this. You could be there. You could be that. And and therefore, it means it's actually not you. I'm probably right. bastardizing his beautiful book. But um, <laughs> and so we, there is something interesting because that, you know, the inner the inner dialogue. Um, I remember I, this is just what's coming up for me is I, did you see quite a few years ago, there was um, Anderson Cooper did this documentary about being 13 and they had gotten access to all of these um, 13 year olds phones for I no. think it was like a year or something. It was really interesting. And the, the one thing that stuck with me in such a painful way was the statistic around selfies that it was like on average, a 13 year old was taking 150 pictures for one selfie that they would post. <gasps> wow. And I just, yeah. And my, my heart sank because I just thought about the negative self-talk for the 149 yeah. that they didn't put, yes. right? Oh my like, God, Oh no, so my, awful. yeah. And so you just think about, I mean, wh what that means in, you know, in an advanced sort of t technological world like we have today compared to when you and I were 13 back in yes. the Pleistocene era. Middle ages, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> exactly. Remember that play I did, Elle, when I played the Pope, the Jean Genie play? Yes! I was just, wh why was I referencing, did I, did I tag you because in something it's... on Twitter with that? Because it came up. Oh. God, it also came up for me recently. I think I still have with, that, the postcard thing oh, from it with your tushy. With my tushy. With notes, your cute yes. little tushy. <laughs> Playing mm -hmm. a big old Eastern <laughs> European uh, pope. And and what was funny about that was that, you know, it's about a photographer going to take a picture of the, po of the pope and how the pope's not done at the back. That's why his, my bum was out because he, he turns around and right. his bum's, because they don't bother to do him at the back because you never see him at the back. Yeah, it's yeah. about this sort of existential thing that do you actually exist if you're not being photographed? And I, I found it fascinating because right. like, you know, even then that was like 2002, you know, someone said to me, oh, were you at that Oscars party or something? I said, uh -huh. and I, said oh, I didn't see your picture in InStyle magazine. I thought, gosh, because I wasn't yeah. in the magazine, he thinks I didn't go. Right. And then and I think that about yeah. our Instagrammed world, because, you know, do our lives really exist? Um, not in the way that we present them because they're filtered and staged. And I just think there's this thing about photography. We use it now. It's not about just capturing something. It's about a sort of this enhancement. And I think that goes back to your 149 rejects before you get the one yeah. that uh, yeah. you're happy with. It's really sad. No, it's true. Is it real or is it Memorex? You know, I yeah. mean, it, it is. It, it's we're creating this duality of life, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I was just talking to someone yesterday about this, about just sometimes, you know, to each his or her own or their own. Sometimes we'll see these things on social media or my friend was saying she had this in a, a personal situation of someone having been upset and they had taken a video or someone's upset and they take a picture of themselves and to me, there's just an element of like, okay, have we grown into these creatures where our our phones and our pictures are such an extension yeah. of ourselves and our identity yeah. that it that it doesn't differentiate? Or is there, you know, that would never be for me if I was sort of 
if I were, yeah. you know, sobbing in grief or, or, you I know, think I'll take a picture of myself that mood or whatever yeah. it was. Right. Exactly. And so even though it, it may be a way of kind of connecting for other people, how, you know, I think that's one of the things about social media that can be beautiful is that it, how many times you sort of see reflected in yourself back to the negative self-talk, like how many times something that you think, Oh, you're the only fucking idiot who would do that. Mm. And then you're like, Oh no, look, there were a million <laughs> other fucking idiots who also did it. You know, there's, <laughs> there's just that sense of really being part of a collective solidarity. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Solidarity and stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting. I mean, I sort of think social media has got various, sort of uh, themes for me. I like I like the one where it's sort of like postcards. Remember when we used to send, we'd go somewhere and we'd send a postcard in like, you know, prehistoric times. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like we send postcards. Yeah. I mean, some people use it like that. Like right. <laughs> they go somewhere and, and here we are, but you know, it's, or here's my dinner. It gets a bit sort of um, mm-hmm. niche But then there's also this other thing about uh, presenting. And I'm really interested to talk to you about like with your work about anti-bullying and how great then, you know, when we, when you gave me this award uh, mm-hmm. that that was shortly after you came back into the public eye and, and, and you came back very much with this um, sort of aim of changing the landscape about cyberbullying and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm curious about what you feel that what, what does social media do and what it would have done to your situation? Do you, do you not feel in some way you might've had a voice to, to talk back? had there been the social media available then that there is now? Yeah, I I think that it's, I think it would have been a double-edged sword in some ways. So where it would have been helpful, I think is in, there would have been some sort of repository of um, information about me that while it may have not been accurate because it would have been curated, mm. it at least was curated by me. Right. right. It would yeah. have been this is the self I believe or the self I want people to think I am or or who I think I am, even if I'm not really like Jahari's window, that sort of difference mm. between how you see yourself and others, yeah. and blah, 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 whatever. Um, but I think that so I think in that way that it's kind of imagine, you know, when things happen now, when an unknown person becomes known in a very fast way now, the first thing people do is go to look at their social media. Right. Who are they? What have they been saying? What do they like? What are those things? So in that way, it both would have, you know, possibly fleshed me out a little bit more as a human being in terms of who I really was. But also I think it might've added a bit of dimensionality irrespective of what the things were that I liked that I just would have been anchored for people as, as, human a little yeah, bit more like a, a, a real uh, person of course there are a million other ways right it would have been awful of i can't even imagine all the accounts that would have been opened and um yeah. you know it was bad enough seeing jokes and things on late night shows or posted on the internet in a single thing it, it wasn't something that you that there weren't likes at the time mm. right mm. or retweets so that, you know, we didn't have a commodification for how far your shame was being spread. Yeah. yeah. And um, in a way, I mean, I, I don't know if commodification is the right word there, but I think it's kind good. of more a, um, a statistic in a way. Yeah. Yeah. We'll stick with it. Yeah, do it. Um, so, yeah. But in my situation, I, you know, what, what also might have been challenge, I, I mean, obviously, obviously it would have still been challenging for myriad reasons, but- <laughs> right. 
I think the other thing in terms of having a voice, because I was in this legal quagmire, I I don't think I would have been able to um, to say anything publicly. You weren't allowed to. That's so, right, because you uh, had a gag right, order. Right, I wasn't allowed to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From my well, first it was from my lawyer, and then once I got immunity, I wasn't allowed to say anything publicly. Ah, right. Had to give up my First Amendment right to get immunity. Wow. So. How long though? Um, it was. Let's see. I was so I got it in 1998, and it wasn't until I think it was when the in like when Bill left office, and then they were kind of. The investigation was considered "quote unquote" closed, so ah. that was 2001. Oh, right. So I had to get permission. Yeah. So if I was gonna, like at first, it was if I was gonna do anything, and then it was if I was gonna do anything where I was talking about um, what had happened. But right. I think eventually it sort of eased. Yes. It's so funny because. Um... I watched your TED talk again last night. So still so moving and stunning. And I was saying to someone, you know, that, you know, years ago, the first time we met, for instance, and we were in a, in like Mm -hmm. 2000 and we were at a party and went for dinner and we were in a booth. And I remember it was such, it was at the height of just the world just being crazy. And you're at the center of this crazy storm. And I remember people like putting their hands over the banquette to touch you, to like touch your hair Mm -hmm. and things like that whilst we were eating. And just being and like leaving the restaurant was just you know like insane like being with Elvis or I don't know you know so like, <laughs> exactly yeah. in in his bloated years no <laughs> <laughs> Monica that's silly I know but um, sorry I you know it's interesting I think I've kind of but for a handful of those kinds of things I think I just blocked them out you mm. know there was just a yeah. like you're you saying to. that. I'm vaguely, I'm now vaguely remembering that and, yeah. you know, and that it has happened if people sort of like tugging on my hair, is it real? You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had forgotten about that. Yeah. It was really intense. And I mean, don't you do that in some ways? Yes. I was going to say, I, I, I mean, yes, I sort of, when I have friends come over to stay in New York and they come out and about with me. They're like, wow, is this what your life's like every day? And I go, oh, yes, yes, it is. I just, you know, you just deal with, go, hello, how are you? Or, you know, are people just coming up to you all the time? But that was on a different scale altogether. Yes. And and the thought behind it was different. Too. Yes. Yes. It was, it was just kind of morbid curiosity and sort of weird. I mean, I, there was nothing like it, but it you made know. me feel very protective of you and very, um, just seeing someone, and, mm. and that was just when we were just getting to know each other, seeing someone having to go through that and, uh, you know, just getting in and out of a car being, and several times, I remember once in LA we were out and it was just bonkers and you said to me things like, oh, you go first because they'll try and get a picture up my skirt if I leave to get out of the car. Remember all that? Absolutely yeah, horrible. But I, I, what I think is interesting is that cut to, you know, now when we go out to dinner, people come over or and or would reach over the bonquet and say, Monica, your TED talk was so moving, and I, you know, and and I think that's it's such an incredible sort of journey to see to have known you for so long and yeah. see this change has happened, and I'm so proud of you for everything you've done in that way. Oh, thank you, my love. I am so grateful to you for our friendship, and I I was going to say that you when you were saying you felt protective of me that. 
I have always felt that from you. I've always, you know, for the 20 plus years that we've been friends now, you know, that you have always been both protective and supportive. Um, And sometimes, you know, sometimes honest in a way that is hard to hear, but is important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that there's, um, it's one of the things I really admire about you is that you're, you're very, you're, you're, you're compassionate, but you're direct. And, yes. um, and I've always loved that. It's funny you should say that about me being a, what was it, compassionate but direct, because I was yeah. looking up uh, another thing you said that night, the night of the, uh, uh, you said, Alan will bravely suggest when to get out of your own way and when to steer clear of a new romantic interest. If only I'd met him a few <laughs> oh, <God>. years earlier. <laughs> 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 I forgot that was I told you That's I'm really funny you know no you, I know Thank you're funny you. and it says yeah. the article it's on I the know. rap and it says Lewinsky cracks landing big with the joke see you got a huge laugh bada bing I should have been a comedian yeah I should have um I, I it's funny because I was um I don't know why I was right I was emailing with somebody a few months ago and I was up in um Davis like remember there was sort of this small period in the fall where it was like a little bit safe. Oh, well, you've been yes. on the, you've been on no. the East coast in New no, York. In California though. I know what you meant. Yeah. So I went up North to see, um, I think you've met her, Catherine. She's my best friend from college. Yes. And, um, so I went to see her and her family in Davis. And then one of my other best friends, Sandra and Carmel and, um, Catherine, and I was emailing somebody. I was like, Oh yeah, I was with Catherine. And I was talking about how, um, when, <laughs> Uh, like I heard from friends from around the world saying to me, Oh, I wish I could, I wish I could see this movie with you. I thought of you, blah, blah, blah. And of course it was, he's just not that into you. Um, was movie. <laughs> and, Hilarious. and, and I was saying about, and I was saying about <laughs> Catherine, that Catherine has this, she has a certain tone of voice, like a dog voice for me when it comes to me talking about my romantic mishaps of like, uh-huh. she'd be like, Monica, she just says, Monica, in this way that it's like, <laughs> it just says everything, you, to you know, that basket. a 20 year history, <laughs> yeah, that 20 year history will encompass of like, oh, again, really? I, you didn't really say that, you know, I, like, I did. It's what I felt. I have emotional Tourette's, you know, so. I love um, emotional Tourette's. That's really good. So that award, it was during Emmys weekend. Mm-hmm. And then I think later that, and there's obviously lots of parties and things around the Emmys another time when I didn't win. And I think later that <laughs> night, my agents were having a party and do you remember, we, we went together to the party and it was in that um, italian big restaurant. I can't remember the name of it on, on uh, Do, uh, Doheny or Robertson or something. And we went to this big party and it was just tons of people. And there was no, we were looking for food. One of us was starving. I think it was me. <laughs> it was me. probably me. <laughs> was it <Yeah. laughs> both of us? And we went into the kitchen. So it's like, there was doing this thing where it was the food was all in the kitchen. Oh, you had to go into the kitchen yes. and get it. Yeah. It was all sort of lying around and they're making pizzas yeah, and yeah. things and all this stuff. And you just had to go. It was all sort of a, you know, a sort of a, a immersive party. It was just so annoying. Yes. Whatever happened to people with trays of things? And we went into the kitchen. They were finished doing all the stuff. They'd finished it because we, we went there late. And I was like, oh, God. And it said, but there was these baguettes in a sort of basket. Yes. And I said, and I said, 
I said, can I just have this baguette? They were like, well, I suppose so. So I took a baguette and we went and I remember that like, you went to the loo and I went, I said, I'll go to the bar. And I saw you when you came out the loo and I held my baguette up like an umbrella, <laughs> with like a tour guide holding an umbrella. So you'd see me. And then I remember exactly. we were leaving the party and I, were, I was pushing, I was had your hand and I was sort of pushing people with my baguette oh my to get them out the way to let us through. I, bet, I forgot about that. we got outside. We got outside and your car was coming and I was walking you to your car and it was all, you know, everyone's, everyone was, their valets were arriving and and the police were there. It was a big crazy party and everyone was nuts. And there was a policeman and I could see it was your car and you couldn't see us. So I walked out into the street and banged the my baguette onto your car so the man would... Uh, uh, no, it was you, you. And the policeman on a loud hailer went, Sir, stir, will you stop hitting that car with your bread? <laughs> I nearly got arrested for hitting a car with a baguette. See, there you were being protective of me again. The other thing that we uh, that you thought uh, was going to be the thing I'd taken off Alan Cummings' shelf, yes. although I wouldn't be able to take it off Alan Cummings' shelf, I have to take off Alan Cummings' wrist, is mm-hmm. the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Brit- so I'll tell the I'll tell the listeners. It's quite a complicated okay. story. So years ago, in a in a swag thing, I got these bracelets. Like it was like a. I know. I'm going to interrupt you so that everybody listening knows that for a million years, <laughs> that for any birthday or holiday, any gift you would get from Alan was a collection of swag. So now he would kindly, sweetly <laughs> choose from the swag he had gotten yes. what swag he wanted to re-gift you. But just so you know, this was totally. not an isolated event of getting swag as a present. Carry no. on. <laughs> oh, no, I did it all the time. And I don't. I, and I think also it's like recycling. I think it's very green. It's very, you know, uh, what's that word? Yes, um, um, sustainable. Sustainable. Yes, it's very it's upcycling. Sustain- you upcycle. You upcycle swag. Yes. And people were sort of like, oh, gosh. I said, well, you like the present, don't you? And you, would you rather I lied? I, oh, my gosh, a deer is just outside the window. We've got a deer oh. and they're coming so close to the house now. They're obviously... Oh, that's a nice they're sign. Like they're not scared of us. I like it. Yeah. Yes, bringing ticks deer. and disease, and of course. But humming, I actually just put out a hummingbird feeder today. I don't, I don't think I oh, got be it. Oh, careful. They attract bears. Oh, well, don't not in LA Angeles, on the seventh yeah. floor. No. But, you know, so. <laughs> I know, you'll be fine. <laughs> I think so. This is your neighbor. Okay, so back to your story. So you recycled swag to me. Gave you a collection of bracelets. And then there was, but I kept a couple. And it was when I first started going out with Grant Schaefer, my now husband. And we there was two of these bracelets. And uh, there were sort of little, very thin little bracelets. And they kind of, you could squish them and they tightened, you know, those kind. And so we thought, you know, we'll put our, we're a bracelet each. It'll be like our sort of our boyfriend's bracelet. It's our first sort of, you know, mild commitment sort of thing. So blah, blah. Then a few years go by, we decide to get married and we uh, decide on, and not to get rings. And what we'll do on our, we actually forgot. And when it's getting near to our wedding, we thought, oh my God, we don't have rings. And so we thought what we'll do is we'll just swap our bracelets. We'll just take the bracelet off that one of us is wearing and when it's the bit when you have to exchange rings we'll just swap our bracelets of course I don't know if you know this part Monica but when I was trying to put his bracelet on you know if you've got to kind of pucker your hands to get the thing on and I said in the middle of the ceremony with the man there I said oh it's kind of like fisting <laughs> and I said that at my <laughs> at in, my in own the, wedding in the I painted hall I just imagine Mary Darling College. Yes. What did you say, dude? I hope she didn't hear that. And I couldn't believe I'd said it. I was so nervous. Anyway, so we swapped our... um, And I remember thinking, 
gosh, you know, uh, someone I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember who it was I'd given those brace, other bracelets to. I obviously knew it was a friend who was female, but I didn't. Oh, I didn't. Maybe it would have been a male as well. Anyway, I didn't yeah. know. And then I remember we found out it was you. And then what happened was, I think it was like this. I think this is the order. I lost what my my bracelet when I was traveling somewhere. I had to take it off and on for being in a film. And then somehow or other in in packing and everything, it fell off and I, I never, I couldn't find it. And I was bereft. And yeah. then I remembered that someone would have other copies of that bracelet. Wait, lobbing wait, wait. over to you, Monica. Yeah, but I think if I'm not mistaken... I thought Grant, I thought I sent one it was to Grant. Grant Schaefer. It was Grant Schaefer yeah. who remembered and Grant reached out because I th- didn't he surprise you with it? Exactly. You're absolutely right. So I was bereft, couldn't believe it. Right. And then he worked out that it was you. Exactly. And you, he, you sent it to him. And one day he just put it on my wrist again. I was like, what? It's magic. Exactly. Now we're not only a thruple, but we're also, even though we've never <laughs> had sex, um, but we're not only <laughs> a thruple, but also <laughs> I'm like the, the guardian of the wedding bracelets. And I think I started yes. out with five and I only have three now. So there must have been oh, another time. I, maybe I gave you guys I did. one. I've for, lost two. You've lost two. Yeah. So. And also, I never take it off now. If you notice, watch me in, on TV or films. I'm always wearing that bracelet. I sometimes okay. stuff it up my shirt so nobody sees yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mostly, you know, they say to me, oh, is your car? I said, my character's wearing this. My character likes to wear this bracelet. <laughs> I just say that. And I just, Eli Gold wore it for seven seasons on the really? good Really? I just think I'm not taking this off. Yeah. This is my friend Joe. Hi. Now, Joe plays rugby for England. Yeah, what's your point? Come on. Well, Joe presents a podcast and it's my firm belief that you should listen to it. Very interesting. And here's why. Because it's not actually a rugby podcast because, well, let's face it, there's billions of them already. No, 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 no. It's about you, the listener, and the jobs you do. If you're a teacher, an astronaut, a tree surgeon or a chef then we've got loads of questions for you. The Joe Marler Show, because everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. That's a great line. That's a, that is a very good line from you, Tom. Thank you, Joe. You want to find it? Search for The Joe Marler Show in your podcast app. Because everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We should do. I there's an. I, I wait. Let me think. Because there's some sort of. We, there's probably like a really interesting, cool internet thingy you could do with that. You know, isn't that what people? Oh, like, like all the different times I've worn it. Yeah, it's like there's a thing on yeah. Instagram I saw called Alan Cummings neck, and it's just pictures of my, <laughs> oh my neck. God. Oh my god! <laughs> isn't that weird? Oh my god! Are you serious? <laughs> Seriously, I'm going to follow just, it. Look, look at it. 
Alan Cummings, Nick. They've been a bit quiet of late, I've noticed. There's not been any for a while, but there's quite a lot. Surprising, there's quite a lot of pictures where I am, you know, presenting my, my neck to God. the God, I do not want to know what kind of Instagrams there are of my body parts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Anyway, I wanted to say, Monica, about go back to that year, that hilarious weekend of the award and the baguette. Yes. Because yeah. it was so recent that, that you had... Um, come back into society and I uh, know that the reason you did was was uh, was was Tyler Clementi mm-hmm. wasn't it well I just explained to people who that is he was a student at um, Rutgers was it yes Rutgers University Rutgers. or yeah yes Rutgers University and he was uh, his his roommate sort of you know secretly filmed him having sex with his with a with other boy and he was so ashamed by it, and he he was so upset, and it kind of you know people piled on and did all this sort sort of uh, internet shaming on him for this, and he killed himself. He threw himself off the George Washington Bridge, and um, I just thought that was it was so awful, and it really struck a chord. And I've his mum and dad have made this uh, uh, the Tyler Clementi Foundation now, which is yeah. for sort and of anti-bullying and LGBT stuff, yeah. and his brother, his brother that's right. too. Yeah, they're and they're really it's really what, worth. It's it's worth anyone who's listening to this. It's really worth checking out their their. It's a foundation. great organization, yeah. Yeah, it really is. They've but they've that done... was but it was that mm-hmm. was you felt there was because your mum felt so many resonances with you I, yeah, and him when when it happened. Well, I, I think what it, it it was not so much about comparing, you know, Tyler to me, but I think what it was was this moment for me where I my mom was so upset. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, my mom, Alan, um, I love your mom. I, she loves you too. She's, you know, president mm-hmm. of your fan club. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Although there are some yeah. other well-known people I know, and she also likes them too and says she's their president, but I think <laughs> you're the first one. So, um, oh, good. But, but, but on a serious note, my mom, you know, it was kind of engaging with my mom and watching my mom and, and hearing my mom on the phone, how upset she was about the story and how awful she felt for Tyler and his family. And she just, you know, she was distraught and his poor, poor family. And it was through the exchanges with her and sort of being able to watch her see another family that even though obviously my scenario was so different, I had, you know, I had made this mistake. I had been part of something where Tyler was completely innocent and, um, that I, I came to understand that this and, and came to see really that what was happening on the internet was um, this was now different. This was now not just more well-known people or, or well-known people being mm. caught, called out and caught out. This was happening to private people too. I mean, and I had been a private person and, and that of course was where, you know, so much of my empathy came from of this, you know, being made into like you know, public meat on the internet, you know, yes, and yes. being made fun of. And so I think that that was... No, it can happen just as there's peer pressure as well. No, everyone right. can do it who's yes. all around you. Yeah. yeah. So I was really, um, I think that it, it, for me, it just kind of woke me up and, and really recontextualized, like woke me up in seeing what had happened to me a little bit differently and, and really seeing the landscape of the online world through a different prism than I had been looking at it. And 
it just kind of seemed like, well, maybe I should dip my toe in the water and see if I can be helpful. Like even if I end up just being a poster child of, you know, this was one of the most humiliated women in the world and she survived it. So you can too, even if it was something as, as base level as that, that, you know, seeing how much, how, how much pain and fear still lived in my mom from that time period. It just, you know, I mean, who, who wouldn't stop to think, well, maybe I can do something, maybe I can be useful. So, um, but it, but even from then, you know, that was 2010, you know, it was from 2010, my vanity fair essay wasn't until 2014. And so there were a number of, I don't want to say wrong turns because they all led to the right place. So, but a number of Mm. detours that, um, yes, yes. And, and they ended up being, you know, I'm grateful really to everybody, even where there was friction in that period. I'm, I'm grateful because I ended up with, um, incredible editors who, who knew how to push me, who knew how to help my writing sing and Graydon who, so, so, you know, to have that essay in Vanity Fair and to have had Graydon at the time be, Yes, Graydon Carter is the editor of uh, Vanity Fair. He was. was. Well, now, yeah. now it's Radhika Jones, but he was editor at the time. And, and for Graydon yeah. to give me the space to to be the one to reclaim my narrative, it, it made a world of difference mm. that I was presenting myself how uh, it was coming from me. You know, there was no filter. Yeah. You know, it wasn't through the prism of someone walking in saying – well, I met Monica at a blah, blah, blah. And she was sitting on a red yeah, sofa yeah. with a this and the that. You know, there, there's something Holding different. Even, even, exactly. Now, now, Alan. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I'm very grateful. But, but was it that man, that nice man? Um, David Friend. Yes. Which David French. Which you connected me to. See? That's so fascinating because he came to me. Uh, David French writes of Vanity Fair and stuff. And he was a producer on the MLK JFK documentary that was just That's out right. This past an year. amazing yeah, yeah. documentary. Yeah. yeah, incredible. And and he was writing a book about sexuality in the nineties and wanted to talk to me about cabaret and you know, what that was like and everything. And uh and so I spoke to him and he said uh, he mentioned you, and so I came to you and said, "I wonder if you'd like to talk to this man." You know, I I know it's a subject that's maybe not what you want to talk about, but he seems really cool, and you know, and I and you did, and we we're both in his book, and uh, and then that was <laughs> then you, forever. and that was your connection to Vanity Fair. Yeah, yeah so, so even well, books about sexuality in the nineties. Yeah, well, I yes, so that that was in that route that became that. I mean, I had a history with Vanity Fair from from two different ways of. Um, having sort of been photographed by Herb Ritz in 98 for the magazine. Oh, but then, Beautiful pictures. I remember oh, those. Oh, thank you. So there were those pictures, but then also um, a really wonderful guy named Mike Hogan, who is, he keeps getting promoted. So I don't know his, I think he's head of all of digital at Vanity Fair, but he's he's been there. He and I became, that was another route. He and I met volunteering for New York uh. Cares. Um, in the early 2000s. So we were doing, it was great. We were, there were these amazing kids um, up in a transition home at the Jenny Clark house. And so we would take them to the library and help kids get library cards and read with them and work on their reading. And um, so, 
he and I uh, got to be friendly there. So, so that I had sort of, it was always all roads lead to Vanity Fair in a way. The Vanity Fair Hall of Fame in 1998, we were mm. both in it. There's like Monica, Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg, Tom Wolfe, uh, John Glenn, the astronaut, Sean Puffy Combs, me, oh. a peregrine falcon, a falcon, wow. Prudence Bushnell, who was the um, American ambassador to Kenya, all these uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and these, these sort of TV youth Amazing. stars. Ty Warner, the creator of Beanie Babies. Steve Jobs, you may have heard of him. Cameron yeah. Diaz, Ben Stiller and uh, Jeff Bezos. And, wow. and uh, Sammy Sosa, who was... The baseball, right? Wasn't he baseball? Baseball, baseball. Yes! Oh my God, look how cool I look. Look at you. And we were like the 20 people who changed the world in 1998. Isn't oh that hilarious? Oh my gosh, we should have a reunion dinner. That would be pretty interesting. Oh, that would be a riot. I know. <laughs> and, and, you, and you know what I remember? Because I looked it up. You, all of us have just got one picture. And I, Per Brit shot me actually. And he, and he shot oh. me like a, like a, like a fawn, like a little, like pan. I had like mm. hooves and ears and, and a little, little liar and I was lying and I remember I came on the set and there was like a forest and I was you know these funny nails and my ears anyway and I said should I just, and there was a tree trunk I said should I sit against the tree trunk Herb and he went no Alan lie down that means we'll guarantee two pages <laughs> <laughs> he, Herb was amazing he was he was oh my gosh I loved him he had the biggest and he, and he did biggest but you heart. had two pictures yeah, you had oh, two pictures. You were the I only did. person who had two pictures out of the whole thing. Yes, but the, yes, I loved him. He was such a sweetheart. Oh, he was he was such such a love. Oh, actually, do you know what? I've got it all wrong. He shot me for another thing for the thing that I did with you in the Vanity Fair uh, Hall of Fame. It was Annie Leibovitz who shot oh. me. I'm getting confused between Annie Leibovitz and Hair Brits. Get okay. me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was Annie who shot me for the that thing, and it was, and then the, a couple of years later for the Hollywood issue, uh, uh, it was Herb who shot me uh, as the, as Pan. But he said to me, "Oh, I want to take a picture of you, Alan. And you know, I see all these pictures of like David LaChapelle and all these photographers, and you're all this makeup, and you you know are all androgynous, and you, I, I love those pictures, but I just want to take a picture of you, the you that's nobody's seen, the handsome Alan, just natural. That's the picture I want to take. I was like, oh my god, he called me handsome, of course. But normally I'd be like, what? <laughs> No guy liner. No, <laughs> I'm not in a negligee. <laughs> so, so then, of course, it went from natural, natural light, no makeup, to four hours in makeup, and dressed as Pan. Miss Monica, yeah. I've, I've taken up far too much of your time, and I want to say thank you so much for um, going down memory lane with me, Aww. and uh, and thank you for giving me this lovely award and for being the keeper of uh, the bracelets of my marriage yes. and I love you so much and I'm so proud of you and thank you so much for oh, doing this thank you Alan I love you too and um, I don't usually do a lot of podcasts but with you I know because I just I don't know I get shy um, but with you I this is fun course, and I love you it was fun this was easy so I love you very much, and I feel very, very grateful to consider you among my tribe. So, Mm, lucky. Likewise, my Mm. love. Take care, brush your hair. Okay. Okay. Alan Cumming Shelves is hosted by me. 
Alan Cumming, duh, and produced by the lovely Jack Claremont. We are part of the ACAST Creator Network and the Crowd Network too. We just love networks. Another Crowd Network podcast to check out is... Unaccountable. It's a podcast fighting for police accountability in the United States. It's a podcast that tells the stories of innocent people who've been killed by the police, just like George Floyd, but also people like Mohammed Muhaimin, Shacey House and Carrie Illidge. And so many more you haven't heard about, but you really should have. The stories can be difficult to listen to, but this could be the most important podcast you'll ever hear. It's a podcast fighting for change, and we need to join that fight. Just search for Unaccountable in your podcast app now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.